this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Six Gun Underwood, the only podcast that's like blaming a snake for having fangs. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Uh, we are talking about season three, episode eleven, titled Chapter Thirty Seven. This week, uh, this is the one where Frank loses all of his support. Every single bit that he's ever had is gone now. Right? His foundations are sunk in the sand, and <laughs> it's just all being washed away. He's got no stamper. He's got no uh, Jackie. He's got no. Remy, he's probably got no Claire. Like, I i don't know, Frank. I don't know. Uh, what do you have for the people who made this episode? Well, this episode was directed by Agnieszka Holland, who you'll recall directed the last episode as well, uh, the Polish film director uh, who's done a, a couple other uh, episodes of House of Cards, the previous seasons, and a whole bunch of other crap. Mm. And it's written by Melissa James Gibson, who also wrote uh, Chapter 32, and uh, she is, if you'll recall, the American playwright who's most famous for writing uh, a few blo- Broadway pr- plays. And I believe this was her I first. I thought you were going to say blog posts. Blog posts, yes. <laughs> They've hired uh, from Slugline. Okay. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. she, she interned there. Uh, but yeah, some, some uh, familiar faces in the making of department. Cool. Uh, what do you think of this episode? This episode has some really strong points, but... And really strong parts, like, and really strong performances, especially by Robin Wright. Uh, I thought that her scene of just, you know, holding her face in focus for two minutes and then she passes out was kind of cool, was yeah. was was very effective. But it also combines <laughs> what is, it seems like, something that House of Cards has to do once a season, which is a terrible parody of American political theater. Ah, okay. This is the uh, hardball appearance where uh, Frank Unward gets into the IOU. Yeah, uh, IOUA. EIEIO, farmer, mm-hmm. uh, farmer Nadell kind of shit. This, You're talking this, about the debate. The debate mm-hmm. uh, again struck me as false. Everything from the construction of the way they place the podiums. Yeah. Uh, from the moderator's complete lack of what mo- there was a moderator in there. What the fuck? He was a WWF referee. Uh-huh. You know, he was being he's being worked in the corner. He was by, knocked out half the by match. the manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I and and just I don't know why this show can't write genuine moments of political gotchas. Okay, like it's I don't know. I mean, I watch and it could be that I watch just a ton of this stuff. I love political debates i love mm-hmm. uh political talk shows and so my familiarity kind of breeds contempt but uh, yeah that debate just did not work on i mean there's a couple moments mm-hmm. it did and i guess yeah, the i was important gonna say stuff. I'm, yeah i'm not totally in agreement here i think you know it was 
it was aside from the obvious flaws of the moderator not doing his job and you know the podium placement i think uh, for the most part it worked it, it accomplished its goal um and i didn't have a huge problem with it but i don't watch a ton of debates and stuff the one that so. hit is the uh frank stabbing jackie in the back sure genuine kind of shock and being flustered at that is the only one that seemed like it, it, it felt authentic to me okay so i don't know the others just seem clumsy and and that's you know, also their prep for the debate, which I believe is probably accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like that's everything wrong with American politics. Like we're focus focus testing hope over vision, uh, focus testing action over hope. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Do you believe anything that you're saying? Are you sure. going to try to do anything that you're saying that you want to do? Do you believe in any of it? It's like. Yeah, ultimately, you know, this show is not an example if you're going into politics of what is right or wrong to do. But uh, the, to the extent that this is real, and like I said, maybe I'm just being sure. overly cynical, but I, I do believe, I mm-hmm. mean, watching enough election coverage where the wonks oh, yeah. get out and they talk about this stuff and yep. it's gross, man. It's really gross. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and you it know. makes me weep for the future. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess politics have always been bad. Like, if you watch Lincoln... You know the doc, the doc, the recent uh, dramatical <laughs> the documentary. It's not a documentary, but it's <laughs> no. a historical drama based on Lincoln, and you see mm-hmm. how contentious. Obviously, uh, people that says you know Congress, the the atmosphere in Congress has never been worse. Pretty sure it was wor- worse before the Civil War, probably when yeah. the country was literally torn apart in a conflict sure. about its morals. <laughs> uh, and when people used to call each other out in the duels in Washington. So uh-huh. stop with that. But. This well, level of falsity's got to be new, right? Like they couldn't focus test shit back then. Yeah, probably not. They had to come uh, up with their own ideas, and like you either sank or swim on that. Yeah, uh, and you know you got to lay some of the responsibility of that at the feet of the media as well. If they weren't, yeah, debating these things on their talk shows and instead calling out the bullshit where they see it, they should that be would our be defense little... against this. But instead, yeah. they're complicit in this generation. Sure. So you can't you can't blame entirely just the politicians here. Um, you had a really good idea one day a couple of weeks ago. I did. Yeah, <laughs> just it's That's every shocking. every couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> we we're having lunch and and you're talking about. I wonder if it'd be possible to like get IBM Watson. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. hooked up real time with like speech analysis, and it could just say fact check. It could just fact real every time. time people would say something, it would just fact check them. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, what would they, what would the countermeasure just speak in like Joe the plumber, uh, you know, kind of hardworking Americans <laughs> I've met. A, you just talk in just platitudes very and generalizations yeah. of things mm-hmm. that cannot be proven or pretty much vague is the goal. Yeah. Apparently. Which would, it's funny. It's like, so if you, that's just hilarious to me that you think about something that would actually improve the game, uh-huh. but it's net effect would probably be in further dumbing down the discourse. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> You're fucked that's no matter rough. what you do. Uh, So I broke this down into several different topics. Uh, Some of them are characters, and one of them is the the debate itself, which I think we mostly covered the the highlights there, except we need to talk how it relates to some of these other characters. Sure, sure. Um, So I was thinking maybe we start with Jackie, because that will kind of dovetail off the debate here. Sure. She's the fulcrum. She is. Yeah. She goes to Dunbar this episode and says, hey, I'm going to give you my backing here, my, uh, what does she call it? Her, her um, endorsement. Endorsement. Uh, in exchange for a position on your cabinet, and she said, Dunbar says, no. Yeah. I'll have none of that. Thank They'll you They'll pay very for much. play. Yeah. Um, and then she ends up getting it anyway after the debates go horribly and Frank stabs her in the back. But that's the funny thing is that 
had it not been for Frank just being, I don't that, is Frank this stupid that he think he can rule like a king? His staff it feels like it because like, everyone around him is getting the same treatment. Yeah, and I always felt like you know this kind of carrot. He does the carrot stick and the personal loyalty very well. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, he would find like a Pete Russo that he would just use, yeah, or a Zoe that he would just use, or obviously Doug. But mm-hmm. I felt like that that wasn't his normal mode of interaction. Do you think this is a new thing that? He is kind of going crazy with this power, and he is treating everyone like a Pete Russo. I think so. Um, you know, some some of it is more harsh than others. I think you know, with Jackie, it was clear, it was very obvious. Now, what he's doing with Claire, what he's doing with Remy, those are not such obvious things. Um, but yeah, with Jackie, it's very obvious. I just think it's funny that it's like classic abuser thing. They're like, he just got so mad and demeaning with her, and as soon as she kind of got back at her pace, he's like, "Okay, well, I'll see you in Iowa." Like, it's not it's not it's not personal. It's just politics. <laughs> sure, but Frank, at some levels, like this is, you know, Frank wouldn't see it that way. Oh no, no. Mm-mm. Somebody did that to him. He would be plotting until he could fuck them over. But he doesn't think anyone else is capable of that. Uh, I guess, or he just doesn't think that he deserves it like they do. Mm. Like he's the entitled guy who doesn't see that he's doing the exact thing to other people that he would hate. Yeah, that actually is a real thing, and I bet sure. at super top-level politicians, it, it gets pretty toxic. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I really like about uh, Jackie and Frank here is when Jackie goes to Frank and uh, after the debate and says, you know, you're, you've fucked up there, you've, I'm angry about this, and he says, I don't care. <laughs> like, that, that scene was intense. And yeah. Frank Underwood is an intimidating guy. That's what I say. Imagine being dressed down by the president of the United States like that. Uh huh. Yeah, essentially, you exist to do my bidding here. Sure. So shut your mouth and get back to it. Uh, Jackie does not take very kindly to that, mm-hmm. and she goes off the reservation next ep- or next scene with her. Uh, I-, I really like that scene. Um, and then. Remy quitting. I feel, I feel like we should go into that now, unless you have more. No, I mean, I think this is kind of dovetails off of the Jackie fulcrum. Yeah, so I'm not sure when I'm Remy... using my, my woodworking and, and yeah. simple machine metaphors correctly, but no, it's a, that's you correct. can't blame a snake for having fangs, Tim. <laughs> uh, so after Remy sees what Frank does to Jackie here, he decides he wants no part of it, and he quits his job. Yeah, and th- At least that's how I read it. I mean, he takes off his pen, he hands it to Seth, and he walks out of the building. Oh, no, he's totally resigning. Okay. Uh, Good. I didn't think I was crazy. Do you... Th- so I thought that the Freddy scene was kind of formative in all this. Definitely. And this also somehow ties into his experience getting arrested. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the idea that even Freddy, who everyone sees as this, like, down-home, you know, like he's a f- staunch Frank ally and all that stuff, even Freddy can't stand the man uh yeah any chance he gets he goes into his kitchen yeah it's like man i miss the old job because i just can't go back and it's like okay frank i gotta go check on the ribs mm-hmm. gotta go slow slow bleed another pig frank and wander off he can't get away now he's stuck being the president's fucking therapist sure yeah that's uh the worst possible fate and also since it seems like frank does all his talking with freddie in the like public frank persona mm-hmm it's like, you know, the the southern fried turned up to 11, moon sh- clear as moonshine. 
uh, that's just got to be so tiresome. Like, yeah, I'm, I feel like people are getting the genuine Frank when he's dressing them down and berating them and uh, talking about how they're getting in the way of his plans. Yeah, and then I, I, Freddie's seen that enough to know that, like, I, it'd be maddening to talk to someone that fake, and then you find out that they're, you know, and and they continue to interface with that At, long after you know yeah. this isn't the real you. You're gonna, oh, so you're gonna go back to playing this part, sure. And it's like it's all become super crystal clear about how little respect he has and how little he's appreciated. Yep, and he's mortified. I mean, there's some kind of connection between him and Jackie still. Yeah, yeah. I think if it was someone else aside from Jackie, he maybe sure. doesn't quit his job. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that, that definitely was something unexpected. I've got something else unexpected. Uh. Completely out of the blue, out of the middle of fucking nowhere, Gavin calls every single phone <laughs> in Doug Stamper's house. Yeah. I, I think he, had did the, it bother I think he got the that, toaster to ring at one point. <laughs> <laughs> did it bother you that this happened in the way it did? Because I was really bugged by just how completely out of nowhere it was. I... I kind of was. First of all, the whole super hacker thing, like, good fucking Christ, leave leave it off. But also, I don't know. I started thinking about it, and it's interesting that Gavin didn't trust him to get him what he wanted, so he got this evidence that wasn't the real evidence mm-hmm. to see if he was actually genuine. When he did, even though he didn't have to, he gave him the evidence as like, you know, well, I'm keeping my word of honor. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not sure exactly why he did that, um, but now I get. Did he not know that he would tell Frank immediately that in- information? And now, because Frank is in a real bind at this point. What are you talking about? You lost you me somewhere in that conversation. What I'm saying is, I can't. So why? You're why using did Gavin... a lot of he's and him's and okay, okay. they's, and I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> why did Gavin do this? Like, was he doing it just to be a man of his word, even though that it? From what I can see, he's probably gone to Russia and we'll never see him again. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, why would Gavin endanger his freedom? Yes. And I, he does it, apparently, for his buddy, uh, Mole Man. Oh, right. Yeah. The he carp says, face. Get, get Mole Man out of jail and all charges dropped and I'll give you the real location of Rachel. But then the problem's in the other direction now. Uh now, why would Doug do this? This is like the question of blackmail. It's like once you blackmail someone and keep blackmailing them, at some point they're going to be like, "Fuck you, buddy." Sure. And How they're many going people to do run, you want me to get out? They're going to run their laptop through the dishwasher <laughs> and launder their phones and go. Well, Doug's going to have to go off the grid to get away from this guy. Doug is a mustache, aviator glasses, and hoodie away from being a unibomber. Like he's going to go uh-huh. to, you know, Thoreau's cabin on Walden Pond and never be seen again. It's the only, <laughs> only it's the only end game for him. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't know that that none of that really worked for me. Um, I, I liked Doug's stuff with his brother a little bit more, right? Than the stuff with Gavin. Well, that's the question I have is: like, it looks like Doug is getting healthy just in time to like kill himself. But All right, I don't know. Sure. <sighs> Leave a good looking corpse. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know where things are going with him and Rachel. Like, her being alive... He's got to go find her. There's well, no way he doesn't. I was pretty dismissive of the theory that she was going to be alive, even though the yeah. show seemed to be kind of leaving the door open to that. I thought that was just them leaving the door open for it. I'm kind of shocked that she yep. is alive, and now what is he going to do about it? Like, Yeah, when it first came up, we were like, you know that picture? You can't really see anything. Yeah. And, like, 
he's still looking at the camera. What's he doing that for? Yeah, it was it was clearly to leave the door open. I I don't know. I just obviously this has got to come back into Frank's story in a meaningful way. And if it doesn't, I don't really know why they're doing it to give Stamper come some kind of like happy ending or even maybe a sad ending just to give him closure on this. What? Hey, it feels pretty Pete, Pete Russo-y, honestly. It feels like something where uh, Frank is going to have to kill him, like Commodus and uh, who, sure, whoever yeah. the other guy was on Gladiator style. He's going to hug him to his chest, and Frank, you know, Doug's going to struggle. And <laughs> okay, that's why Frank does all the rowing. So his <laughs> when when he squeezes you to his chest, yeah. you, you can't those you can't resist. Just forget about Doug's it. Doug's only got one leg; he's got no leverage. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see He's where they go. Get with Marcus that. Aurelius. Yeah, I'm I'm not super on board with Doug's uh, Rachel story here. He's just such an odd duck. Like he is. Yeah. Imagine imagine your brother an alcoholic. Okay. Uh, and you walk in on him, and he's sitting on his apartment steps, saying. Mm-hmm. I wanted to drink, and I got this far, and not no farther. So I sat down, and he's giving this as an evidence of him being like healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, 60 days, man. Doug at 60 days is still somebody that I'm scared to death for. Sure. I, Doug at 60 days is no farther from a drink than Doug day one. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it does not feel like it. No. And his especially since as close as his brother and him have become, which mm-hmm. I guess is close for Doug because, like, you know, like look at Doug in this episode, learning how to be a human. Um, I feel like that's the first time he's ever told his brother, I love you. Probably, yeah. But as close as they've become, he still knows nothing about Doug. Like, he oh, think, no, yeah, no. Yeah, he thinks he's just your average wonk who does everything for someone else's career. He doesn't know what everything entails and everything that he knows. Yeah. And if he did, I feel like he would not pack his bags and move home. What do you think he told his brother about getting bricked in the head? Didn't they say it was some kind of car accident or something? Or he got mugged. Yeah, he got carjacked. That's what the official <laughs> got story carjacked? was. Okay. Yeah. So that's what he told his brother. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Claire. Okay. there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, there, there are, I mean, it's not even illusion. This is, a lot of this episode is about sexism. Uh, and it's clear from the debate and from uh, Jackie's general attitude toward Frank, uh, Claire's budding attitude toward frank uh kind of her realizations in this episode and the the very end with the tina in a box thing is the most thinly veiled metaphor i've ever seen tina in the box yeah she's reading that book to those kids should we let tina out of the box i don't know kids what should we do no we should right after she just said like uh, talking about her marriage and all this stuff is so her marriage is like teetering on the edge of a bridge (laughs) exactly exactly it's it's so transparent so claire is seriously considering her role in this relationship right i think so i think we both think so right definitely because my take on this was something along the lines of you know when you're being manipulated by someone that's close to you you don't see it but every once in a while you'll see them like manipulate someone else and suddenly you can see that. Yeah. Like they'll berate a waiter or a waitress and you're like, Oh God. Like Remy. Oh oh God, this is the relationship I'm in, you know? And like, this, it seemed like everybody, she's seeing him fuck over Jackie and all these other people. And she's starting to realize I am not 
that special to him. He's using mm-hmm. me in his own way just as badly as everybody else. Sure. And if sure, I ever stood up to him, it would be frightening. And that, like she said, what scares me is how much I need us. That's, you know, that that's that goes in with the addiction. It goes in with the sexism. It goes in with all the stew that they've been building this season. And I thought it was great. Yeah, even last episode with uh, Tom and Frank having that Tinder scene at the end, uh, where where he goes out basically saying, "Yeah, I know that you're gay, Frank, and uh, it's been a long time." You've got to wonder if Claire is a knows that that's the case, and b she's got to be thinking about that too, right? He's not just using her politically. Uh, well, I guess that is kind of political to just be his beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's definitely political. Not so, just that, and more but... than just the the you know firing her from the UN and stuff like that. Not just a bargaining chip. He's actually manipulating her. And and they made it, you know, we made a lot of jokes when they hooked her up to the blood machine. You know, uh, you're like, she's just going to shrivel up and turn gray. And I was like, wait, they're going to harvest her tears and uh, her sweat next. But, you know, I think uh, Thomas made it explicit. Like, you're putting your life's blood into this thing. Like, it's kind of this vampiric relationship. This this was an episode of thinly veiled metaphors. (laughs) Little little bacon gauntlet-y. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for sure, but I think they acted the shit out of it, and mm-hmm. it, I. What do you think about the camera trick of uh, her start and... to lose focus to kind of communicate that she's getting lightheaded and yeah. she's kind oh, I of. I mean, it's almost like he hit her with truth serum, right? Yeah, I. The entire scene, I was just thinking, when is Thomas going to step in and actually get this woman help? It's very apparent that she needs it. Sure. And Something I, has gone horribly wrong here. When is he going to step up? Right. And I, the second time I watched it, it didn't feel as bad to me because um, I was missing some things because they were playing stuff with the audio. And I was kind of fixated on what was going on with Claire. But when I turned on the closed caption, as soon as she dropped the juice, he's like, are you okay? Do you need me to get someone? And then she went on to the – she said, like, you have three or four other lines and then passed out. And then he got someone. So – the second time through, it seemed like he was more concerned and less exploitative than mm. the first time I watched it. I think he's definitely still exploitative, though. Well, he wants a story. He let that conversation go on too. longer than he should have. And that's the other thing. Like, in speaking of subtext, him saying, I can't get blood, I'm a junkie. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not, you know, it's not a drug he's addicted to. It's a story access. It's the stories, yeah. Yeah. Two episodes to go. Where is this going, man? You Do you think we're going to get to the election this season? No, I don't. I can't imagine going from the primaries all the way the, to the election. Flash, I mean, the show has done that before. Sure. But I can't see them pulling a Parks and Rec and just jumping 18 months into the future And because there's just too many there's too many moving parts here. There's yeah. too many collisions that are on course. I think it would be very unsatisfying to flash forward and see... You know, but then again, I'm not a I'm not a Hollywood storyteller. Maybe it would be interesting to flash forward and see him and Dunbar locked in full combat with Remy working for the other side, and sure. Doug and maybe stamp, working for the stamp other side. Stamper out in New Mexico as a turquoise salesman, <laughs> hunting his Russian off the grid, no cell phones. His 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 Russian grandmother. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I often wonder like what the fuck where where the hell is this going? Sure. Uh, yeah. Overall, I I like the episode. It had some. Some spots where I was raising my eyebrows and questioning what they were doing, but overall it works. Uh, so I enjoy it. 
If you were estranged from your brother and you finally got together over your rampant alcoholism, which mm-hmm. I'm calling we're six to 12 months away from, uh, what movie would you pick to bond over? Uh, if you blew off a day of podcasting. Well, to... Knowing my brother like I do, it would have to be. Well, not, well that's kind of cheating. Since... <laughs> cheating to know my brother? Yeah, I guess it is with, <laughs> with Stamper. You're right. Uh, I, I would pick some Paul Newman joint, and it would probably be Slapshot, I think. One of Paul Newman's finer works. Classy, classy. I'd yeah. go with Predator. Pre- okay. My default thing, if I had to kill time with a dude that I really didn't know, uh-huh. I'd put on, because like, either they really are in the 80s. It's a measure I, of a man, that's for sure. And I can I can roll that movie a, mu- a lot of different ways. I can roll with it ironically. Uh-huh. I can roll with as a straight-up fanboy, and I can kind of like base my performance off what the other person's given me yeah for sure like we could swap badass Schwarzenegger stories and we can just make fun of it or you know we could talk about the creature just so many different ways to go with it yep indeed all right what else do we have is that it uh i think so i think so uh what do you think what about this personal cost of jackie let's talk about that real quick um and then i want to talk about something in particular with um claire in these seven years so she turned her turned her back on on Frank. Mm-hmm. At what cost has she like? What has this done to her and her doctor husband? Uh, well, her doctor husband's gonna be fine. You think he's, so? He's got no. Well, no. Okay. Frank goes on a killing spree again, but <laughs> yeah, he, he should be fine. He has Stay no away horse trains, doctor. Right? No, what I'm saying is like, has this done irreparable damage to their relationship? Is this oh. is this kind of signaling that? Jackie and Remy are going to uh, ally once again. You know, she left the door open. She, she did. She left her foot stuck firmly in that door last time. Wide open. Uh, I would not be surprised if Remy pursues that. Says, hey, I gave up my job for you. Just to stand up. What a what an awesome guy I am. Hmm. And then tries to make a move. And I don't, I don't know how Jackie responds to that, frankly. They can commiserate well, over she's, Frank's she responded to it frankly... She'd hit him with a brick in the face. Uh-huh. Uh, but if she responded as Jackley, I don't know. Um, that's a good point. Um, I man, it just I. It, it's uh, not really a question. She just of married me. this dude and adopted their kids or whatever. I mean, that's, well, that's the thing. It, I'm not questioning what Remy does. I think I know exactly what Remy does. Is run to Jackie. I'm questioning whether or not Jackie, Jackie is willing to it. throw away her marriage. Her, you know. Uh, convenient her, marriage. It, well, it's and these and they made it's not it, totally right. I mean, she was she liked the guy enough to marry. She liked him. the guy enough, but it was there was unfinished business with her and Remy. Absolutely, and they've made it a point to stress that these kids are teenagers. This isn't like you know teddy bear to- clutching fine. toddlers. Yeah. They're you know they're they probably hate you anyway. Sure. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think about this seven year cycle with Claire? That this that she do you think this is something she's articulated to even Frank? Uh, that's a good question. And, and I thought if not, that this is something like inside of her head's like I'll marry him for seven years, and if it's not working out, then I'll divorce him and I can get anyone. And she's I thought she said that that was their agreement. I don't, but know that, I I can't put an actual pin on that. And I, I I the other reason I don't like I like the idea that it's not that this is a, a secret she's never told him is that it kind of dovetails nicely because I think 
I don't think Frank, you know, if, if we go the thing that Frank's more homosexual than bisexual or uh-huh. more omnisexual, then that would mean that I'm pretty sure he has never been that that Frank, that honest with Claire, right? So this, uh-huh. her confiding in Thomas a secret would nicely mirror the fact that almost she's closer to Thomas than she is to Frank, and Frank is closer to Thomas than she is to her, hmm. and he's like this thing in the middle. He's the Meacham in the middle. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past the show. This this show can't do a three-way with those, with Frank, Claire, and Thomas, No, not right? a second three-way. Come on. They've been there. They've done that. What if he's intimate with both of them separately? Because okay, I kind of felt like they were, I wouldn't, the episode started and I found that he was going to shadow her in a campaign trail. I'm like, I would lay pretty good odds on them fucking in a hotel room sometime in this junket. <laughs> Didn't happen. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't happen. She passed out instead. Sure. What uh, did you think about the smile at the end? And then we can do From feedback. Claire while yeah. she's reading. Uh, it felt disingenuous. It didn't feel like she actually meant it to me. See, I was hmm, I I compared that to the other smiles because you know you get the public Claire and it's like the public Frank. It's just completely artificial, and she's got this giant megawatt smile that she never wears any other time. Sure, even when she's genuinely happy, this seemed like a genuinely happy smile at the end. Or I don't. But I can't reconcile a genuinely happy smile there with the knowledge that she has about how he's using people and but she's addicted she's like it's like that's the smile of a, a heroin junkie with their first shot of the day right you think so see Possibly. i think i don't i don't know because i felt like this what episode was her coming to a realization of sorts that or, frank is not on her side and that she needs to do something about it well it could be her acknowledging a fear that she's had deep down inside that i don't matter to him and then when he shows up in new hampshire even though politically it would be more important for him to go to new hampshire it's her smile of like, oh, we're still doing the dance. Like at the end of the day, he appointed me the UN uh, ambassador, even though it 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 cost him politically. So he must care about me. At the end of the day, he flew all the way to New Hampshire, even though he should be Ohio, and that probably cost him in a close election. So he must care about me. Hmm. So it's like, yes, she's afraid that she doesn't matter, but he seems to be giving proof that she does, and she's kind of like just enough, just enough, yeah. Just enough. Maybe. Maybe. I. It would seem weird to me for them to take her from uh, questioning whether or not Frank is being honest with her back to his side again in the course of really half an episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so certain, certain how I feel about that, although they dropped the Gavin shit on us out of nowhere, too, so... Yeah. I don't know. Well, I got a one other thing before we get to feedback. I have to uh, personally extend an apology to Danny H because I kind of, uh, I kind of discounted his theory about them ripping off the leftover score wholesale. But ever since he's made that suggestion, mm-hmm. I fucking can't stop hearing, especially the the str- it's not quite the leftover suite, but the string sections they're using, and in totally it. Now that I've noticed it as a, the leftovers music, it's very jarring because leftovers use this stuff and these like extreme, great so. um, emotional like reveals. And this, it's like Frank and Remy are reading Blackberry. Like, <laughs> you know, like wait, yeah. wait, someone should be having their soul ripped apart. Why are they just reading email? Who knows what's in those texts, man? For, yeah. Like, so now anybody listening to our podcast is going to go into House of Cards viewing it. Looking for the blue on yellow 
composition shots and hearing leftovers music. Our our work here is done. We've spoiled this show for them. Our work here is done. <laughs> uh, also, while we're handing out apologies here, I need to uh, reconcile something that's been that has been left. Undone for many weeks now. You flying out to New Hampshire? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. I have a story to read to some children. Um, no, <laughs> J- Jeremy Reinhold has graciously provided the theme song for the ah, show yes. for the last two seasons, and he wrote us this season again and said, "Hey, feel free to use the song again, guys." Thought I should give him some credit. So if you go to SoundCloud.com/slash Jeremy Reinhold, uh, that's one R one M Reinhold. How it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check out a lot of his stuff. It. Uh, it sounds he uses like a lot of the same instruments mm-hmm. for his stuff, and it sounds like they're synth. I can't tell. Um, but if you're a fan of our theme, he has a lot of other stuff that's like that um, in style, but not necessarily tone. So go check that out. It's pretty cool. If you want to prolong your, because we're about done, we'll be done this week with our House of Cards yeah. coverage. If you want to keep that good vibe going, uh, load that shit onto your i iPod. No one uses an iPod anymore. No, your your no. iPhone or Android phone music playing your device. apple watch put it on your watch your apple, there you go put it in your watch and smoke <laughs> your it eighteen thousand dollar watch or whatever <laughs> 18 carat ten thousand dollar watch okay uh before we get the feedback uh just want to pay some bills um thought about talking about club ball move but to be honest uh if you're only a house of cards fan we don't do a lot of club ball move stuff around the house of cards that's true although you would get the ad free feed so you could you could miss this thing skip it so there's a benefit mm-hmm. um but i thought uh you know since it's uh, kind of club bald move agnostic we would talk about other ways to support bald move uh including the amazon affiliate link if you buy stuff on amazon and at this point who doesn't they got great shipping policies they got great product selection and excellent prices uh you can use amazon.baldmove.com to get to Amazon, it'll redirect you automatically. And the only thing that's changed is now your shopping cart is infused with support for Bald Move. Everything you buy will get a purchase, will get a portion of that profit. It doesn't actually cost you anything. There's no hidden fees or handling services. Same prices. We just get a cut of uh, Amazon's profits. It helps us out a lot. We get uh, over a third of our operating revenue from that. And the only way we can do things like provide House of Cards coverage is because we do this as a full time job. So uh, any support you guys could give in that area would be much appreciated. Yep. On the feedback, Michael B. from Virginia says, it's now getting down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about seven years. I'm officially worried about Claire. This may be bold, but I feel that since her and Frank don't have this conversation or didn't have this conversation, she may feel trapped and wants a way out and to free herself and to make a point and statement that is she willing to die for. So to make a point in statement about her being willing to die for is this, this is what's going through my head. I feel she may have decided that Frank doesn't need or deserve her help anymore, that she wants to take that away from him without letting him try to sway her opinion. Otherwise, for all these reasons, I think that she may commit suicide and maybe even frame mm-hmm. Frank in the process, but we'll have to see. What do you think of the suicide? Let's talk. Let's, let's put the framing aside. What do you think about Claire committing suicide? Claire does not strike me as a suicide woman. But this bridge metaphor is ultimately, sure. this is Don's jumping off point campaign. This is kind of a suicide motif anyway. Yeah, I, I think so. I just, I can't see that character doing that action. Yeah, she seems strong, stronger than that. But mm-hmm. also there's always been kind of a underlying fragileness about her. Hmm. I mean, you could say the same thing about almost every human being that walks to Earth, but... 
Yeah, that would be also recontextualize a smile at the end. Like she knows she can't stop. She has no. She's going to be stuck here forever. It's going to be a seven years to infinity. And what's my way out? Sure, I, I, I. She's afraid she can't go in and not be, and Frank can't talk her into or out of anything. Well, she just needs to get more resolute in her stand. I think. Um if she doesn't allow Frank to manipulate her, he's not going to be able to. I think she's just as smart, just as capable as Frank. You you just convinced me because the like what she did with the UN uh ambassadorship, she went in there sure. and demanded it. She's done that well about once a season where he starts to get a little too ambitious and she has to remind her that they're actually attached to each other. I think you're right. It would sh- it would be genuinely shocking if she committed suicide and they'd have to handle it kind of delicately to not offend our fan sensibilities it sounds like yeah i i think there's something to the seven years I, I don't know how long they've been married but you know her starting off with that scene the cold open where she's talking to the women in whatever the daughters uh, of the american revolution sure which sounds like a weird organization you know i used to know a woman who bragged about being in that and i was like okay whatever um and I did some research into it, and it's actually, I don't know, impressive, but it's certainly more exclusive than, you have to, like, prove direct lineage to an American Revolutionary War, someone who served in the war, or a signer of the Declaration of Independence, hmm. or there's, like, two or three other qualifying events. So it's kind of rather exclusive and more impressive than than I, I admitted it. So a woman that I never talked to. I'm sorry I was dismissive about your accomplishment. So I'm I'm imagining it's probably also very racist, yeah? Uh well, no, they not do. a lot of non-white women in that I, thing, I'm thinking. Um I hope this isn't insensitive, but thanks to Thomas Jefferson, <laughs> I'm sure there are very <laughs> okay. many African American daughters of the American Revolution. Okay. Among others. I know they're fair enough. Yeah, they're they I, I thought it was interesting because at the top they have a banner of all these women's and there was they made sure there was one there was one black lady. Oh yeah. So okay. they are. Uh, there was some. I, I did some research, and there was some racist past practices, as you would imagine, Not because surprising. this is America. Sure. But there seems like they're trying to rehab that. Yeah, but the, the way you know she starts off with talking about how long have you been married? How long have you been married? Oh, you've been married for a long time. Mm. That makes me wonder if maybe that seven year mark is not coming up very soon. Well, that and I thought she's been rethinking. I thought maybe that things. that was we we're supposed to understand that their renewing of the vows is something that it did every seven years. This is when I was trying to struggle with her, like, oh, yeah. w- like like whether whether Frank knew about this or not. So she just did it again. She's got I don't seven know. more years, and she's like, "Oh God, seven more years." Maybe, of this? but I, that's just that's kind of something I've come up with, and you'd think that. A candidate renewing every seven years, that would be something people would pay attention to. Although that's just a, that's not an official thing. There's no paperwork. No, no, of course. So, interesting. I don't know. Uh, lots of speculation there. Pamela R. has a prediction, an ultimate goal of putting Claire as president of the United States. All right. She's not even in the running right now. Do you think that that is... I don't... I mean, she's got this little smiley emoticon, so I don't think this is a serious prediction, or maybe it is. I apologize if I'm misconstruing that. <laughs> but I was trying to think, like, Frank's going to need another vice presidential candidate. Sure as hell ain't going to be Bly. Oh, fuck no. Although that was really, we didn't talk about that. That was super funny, Bly give, going at him, hammering tongs in the fake debate. 
Oh, and just the idea that Bly's like, hey, if you need anything, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. You're going to pick me, right? Right? Yeah, You're going to yeah, pick yeah. me? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, just his what, lapdog bullshit at the beginning. Was what if hilarious. he did make his wife the vice president, and then he dies, and she does become president? Like, how weird would that be? Like, what if Hillary Clinton makes Bill Clinton Wait. her vice presidential running mate? Oh, okay, all right. Uh, hmm. I mean, I would say that's too bizarre to contemplate, but this show's <laughs> gone kind of bizarre places like that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I. I wonder how he gets away with that in debates, especially when he's talking about no experience. Claire has zero experience other than the ill-appointed ambassador thing, ambassadorship. Yeah, but they could spin like, you want experience as running mate? She's been my mate for 28 years, and she runs. (laughs) She runs as a Secret Service detail. Oh, my God, really? A pun is going to get her into the White House? Are you fucking kidding me? I don't know about you, Jim, but it seems clear as moonshine to me. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? (laughs) Sound bites go a long way. Oh, my God. The running mate. Okay, now I want to see that happen. (laughs) Totally. Pamela continues, does Seth look like Pinocchio to you? A little bit, yeah. He's a little... Put a hat on a hat on him and some funny suspenders and... His nose is not growing nearly fast enough for the lies he tells, though. No. Uh, do you think that Frank and Claire's White House living quarters are true to the real one? That's something that we've been talking about behind the scenes. I think yep. the sets are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that's how they really look. I'll tell you another thing. Air Force One set's spectacular. Yeah. Good stuff. Do you think that there is an Air Force One set that everyone in Hollywood just uses, like Independence Day, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Air Force One? Probably gets updated more often than the actual plane. (laughs) Well, with the seven, the seven forty-seven eights or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moving on to Rocha. Roca, I guess it would be Roca. Yeah, I'm a listener from Brazil and absolutely in love with House of Cards, The West Wing, and politics. On your ep- on the episode, you asked about what Frank, uh, what about Frank shining his own shoes? Actually, it seems to me to be an homage to the West Wing. When spoiler alert, Bartlett offers Secretary of State position to Arnold Vinnick, which is Alan Alda character. At that moment, he was shining his shoes, and he says, "One should never trust a person who doesn't shine his own shoes." Might be wrong, but this I think is a West Wing reference, and that would huh. okay. I buy that because I feel like they've been doing subtle homages to West Wing. Subtle or not so subtle, even. Well, I mean, you know, Jesus falling off the cross. Yeah. That's that's a much more extreme version of the homage, but yeah. No, uh, I'm I'm surprised that someone from Brazil would be interested in this show at all. Like, if you told me there's a show about Brazilian government, uh, I I don't know how I would even dip my toe into that well, show. First of all, that seems like uh, some American jingoist uh, pride in the country bullshit. No, no, but... no. That is. <laughs> Me going like, I don't know anything about this. It's like if you told me there was a show about uh, the ins and out of, I don't know, being a submarine captain. You're like, I don't know anything about that. Okay. Well, the thing is, is there's tons of movies about that. Like, you know, Das Boot and Run Silent, Run Deep. Fine. They are Bad example. Uh, uh, Downton Abbey. A rich doorman. people living in a giant house. A doorman. Uh, like... I don't, I don't, it's impenetrable. I, right? I understand what you're saying. If there were like procedures around everything and I didn't understand any of the procedures or any of the positions or any of what they're talking about, I that's think, really surprising to me. To me, it's, it's essentially the, it kind of mirrors my interest in Downton Abbey. And I'll tell you something else. Cause I don't understand any of that shit. 
any of the upper class bullshit from the early 20th century, but I still find Downton Abbey fascinating. I think I would like to show better if I wasn't an American. Because I think you might be overstating how hard it is to follow parliamentary politics and just kind of basic organizational structures. But honestly, some things are really uh, – it's like th- th- this show I is about so, my man. form of government and my kind of natural cynicism. I think I would enjoy it better if I could pretend it was some other country we're talking about. Hmm. Like seeing this kind of corruption and dishonesty and futility, it would be a lot better if I was kind of watching popcorn and, and not being about in, in my – you know? it, it wouldn't be as poignant though. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't hit home in the same way. But I kind of think that might be a a bu- or a feature, not a bug. You know, like you can have a little bit more detachment from it. So you'd rather eat the popcorn while watching it than think about how this is partially your doing. Kind of, maybe. But then again, I tried watching the British House of Cards, and one of the things I ran up against was being kind of lost about the British system. That's the thing. I but, but I think I if the production values lost. would have been better and it been more current and you know it hadn't been this show. Make no bones. This show does not do a good job of teaching you about government. Doesn't it? No, it does a <laughs> terrible job because okay. I'm the only things I'm learning. I'm having to look up. Uh, like what the fuck does a whip do? Mm. No fucking idea. But he's one. Right. Where does that put him in the power rankings? No idea. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know how you get into this show when you don't. A have an interest in the other country's politics, uh, and and B have any prior knowledge. Uh, Les wrote in and said, "You don't need a chef to enjoy pomegranate seeds, my man." And he enclosed <laughs> a picture of a container that, in, that contains just pomegranate seeds from Trader Joe's. That right. is fat. I want. I, I assume that only, that must cost twenty dollars. Because yeah, it's like black truffles. They're it's labor intensive, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not in that way, but uh, they're expensive, sure. Well, you know, pigs, uh, pig rooting, that doesn't come cheap. No. Danny H. from Manchester said, I'd like to comment on another listener's email from last episode about the missing Frank Underwood's plans coming together. As a Madman fan, I think it's comparable to Don Draper's downfall arc, whereby we want him to be nailing those pitches in the client meetings, but at the same time, we understand that everything he has done so far means he has to have a downward spiral eventually. The question really is, does Frank Underwood deserve to get the positive end note that we see potential serious spoilers uh, <laughs> that we see a potential serious spoiler heading for or that even a definitive serious spoiler ending ended up getting? I kind of redacted all that. Oh, he was okay. making further analogies to popular television shows. I had to redact. Ah. Uh, I did a poor job of reading my redaction. I, I sure you completely. I was lost in my me. Dan Carlin voice, and it just kind of I forgot to put the right emphasis. There. Basically, he's saying does does Frank Underwood deserve a happy ending? And he continues. No, I think I the character the answer is no, as you yeah, said, because even you. by the dark standards of these characters, Frank has done so many more terrible things that we, sure. we as a viewer can't justify in some the ways we do with other characters. On the other hand, it'd be kind of cool to see him triumphant just because it would mirror our own society where politicians stay on top in some form even after they've done terrible things. That's the thing. Like, I could totally get down for an Empire Strikes Back ending. I would, I, you know, I okay. would think that would be actually kind of cool. Frank on his black throne ruling over all he for surveys with no one, no one left. <laughs> So he's in for another lame duck presidency, like the he, won, he wins the election, but then he can't do anything. Yeah, or he has no allies. That's the thing. You think he's drunk with power now? 
Like, you think executive orders have been abused now? Wait till he gets his campaign one, and now he's got no other place he can go. He just can do nothing but use his personal power and build his legacy. Hmm. It would be kind of exciting to see a lame duck. Well, I mean, what do you call that? A second-term Frank Underwood presidency when he doesn't have to run anymore. He can keep to that promise. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I you just you have to have allies in Washington to do anything. The even the president, I mean, it's the illusion of power, right? He he can't just make things happen. He has to get cooperation from so, people so who if there is gonna be a theoretical fourth season, and I still am not I'm I've been deliberately ignorant about if that's actually a done deal or if that's a speculation. I think it would be cool to see him win the second term and then be impeached because he got there and he wrote it all of his support and he finally is in that spot to make a difference. But then he has no friends, and Cong- Congress is tired of being stepped on, and they impeach his ass. Could happen. Why not? And then what would he do? What would he do if he's truly the vicious animal uh, cloaked in immense power, uh, as Lincoln put it, and he had his back to the wall? He'd lash out. Mm. He'd go on a killing spree. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> even more so. I think so, yeah. Even more so. Uh, Liz G said, "Ugh, Rachel's alive. I guess we'll be seeing her soon. I can't say that I'm excited, but she has to be alive at this point so uh, that she can really die so that Doug can finally free himself of her. Doug will have to kill Rachel because he thinks it's the only way to get over her. That's dark, but probably accurate. Could be. Could be. Why would Doug kill her at this point? He's like, is he like a Terminator well, and if... he can't get rid of his his last executive program? I mean... <laughs> Maybe if he goes there expecting some kind of relationship with her and she completely turns him down. Can their final confrontation occur in a steel mill and he'll be slowly compacted <laughs> and his red lights will go out in his eyes? Uh-huh. That's what I'm looking for. I like it. <laughs> the debate was very entertaining. John King didn't do much moderating. No shit. He let the candidates talk over one another and interrupt each other repeatedly, which is why it was so entertaining. See, sometimes I wish for debates like that. On television, and I th- see them doing their talking points, waiting their proper amount sure. of time, and giving a response that's a platitude or something like that. But sometimes I want it to devolve into this. That's why I thought the Bush Gore debates were so interesting because I think their first debate, or maybe it was the second, there's one where Gore just clearly didn't give a fuck. Mm. He was going to leave his podium. He was going to take steps towards Bush. He was going to talk over to moderator. Didn't give a fuck. And uh, it was kind of like, oh, oh, you know, American politics off the rails. Exciting. <laughs> and what does the moderator do at that point? Uh, when you have presidents and presidential candidates wanting to convey a message, he turn off their mics. Well, like, I mean, it, what it, it, if I recall correctly, it kind of backfired because the, it became like, you know, uh, Gore being this pissy debate champion kind of dick sure, rather than sure. him just going in there and I mean, you know, like there's different ways you could take that, but it didn't I don't I don't obviously he lost the election by however many votes it was. Um so I don't know. Fuck. Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering what what the moderator does when the debate goes off the rails like that and there are very very powerful people talking on the stage. So what I've heard, you know, is is like I've watched some primary debates between, like, you know, in, inter-party debates, and they can be a lot more freewheeling. And this yeah, felt yeah. like a little bit more of an extreme version of that. But I've also heard tell on, like, YouTube, and sometimes you get on The Daily Show, like, governor debates and, like, uh, 
individual state senator debates mm-hmm. that they can get insane <laughs> because you're several levels of polish and prestige and media attention below. Yeah. And like, you know, someone that would get weeded out in these more advanced races is there and just like swinging and it can be breathtaking. Hmm. It seems, like I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to watch C-SPAN though. Who the fuck's going to oh. do that? Yeah. Uh, let's see. She continues. I'm glad Jackie finally got out from under Frank's thumb and endorsed Dunbar. Claire smile at the end. Was it a genuine smile for Frank or was it for the photographers and cameraman who might be looking? She doesn't think it was for Frank. Uh, I didn't, that's an interesting thought that she was just keeping up for the photographers. Although again, her fake Claire smiles a lot more megawatt than that. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not on board with the idea that she was genuinely happy there. I think there's a definite breakdown of Frank and Claire's relationship and that Claire is not happy in her new role in the campaign trail. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yep. Frack and T said, really liked this episode. I've been waiting all season for Jackie to jump ship, and the debate was clearly the last straw. With Remy falling right out the door and Frank is left with nobody, does this mean he'll try to get Doug back in the game? Yeah, it does. If so, I predict disastrous results for Doug's sobriety. Yep. That's a very safe prediction. Can't wait for it. And it's going to be so transparent when he comes to try to get Doug back after making this big deal. Because we yeah. talked about, like, maybe this is Frank genuinely caring for his health, mm-hmm. which still might be true. That just means it's going to be all the more heinous when he finally goes and, and retrieves him. Yes. Yes, I can't wait. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish nothing but misery for Doug at this point. <laughs> I don't know why. He's a tragic like, character, but he's so fucking weird, man. He's so fun to hate, too. So fun. Uh, Trippy from St. Louis said that debate was brutal. Jackie was used and thrown away. Heather fought her way out and didn't look too bad. Frankly, I think this was a miscalculation by Frank. There is no way Jackie isn't going to sway or go away from Frank's camp after this. Wasn't going to go away from Frank's camp after this. Yeah, I agree. In terrible miscalculation on his part. Granted, I don't know how she didn't see this coming. Definitely, she's heard a hard lesson. If we were ever to see the House of Cards universe ten years from now, I would wonder how she applied in it um that's a good point again the whole blaming the snake for having fangs she's seen him do this to other people she was complicit in helping him do this to other people yeah kind of interesting that she's somewhat i guess she thought that she had more power than she did i think so and i thought it was going to be the one way and it's the other i don't know where this leaves her like with with Dunbar, Dunbar is not going to just give her a position for any kind of loyalty. So she either has to earn something in that new cabinet or she's probably going to be out the door. And I don't know where her political career is at that point at the next election. Yeah, I don't know. We'll be interesting. We're just two episodes away from finding out. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you want to send us feedback, you can do so at House of Cards at baldmove.com. As always, you can go to forums.baldmove.com. I've got all the episodes up, and they're split up, so you can participate without getting spoiled and without spoiling others. You can also follow our release schedule on facebook.com slash baldmove and also on Twitter at baldmove. Uh, have another one out for you Wednesday and then the finale on Friday. All right. Sounds good. See you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.